Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to Your Questions Answered. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to answer all of your burning wrestling questions. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, more roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick on Twitter to answer all of your burning wrestling questions, and we'll dive straight into it. The replies that we got to our tweet on What Culture's Twitter at What Culture WWE, uh, and a regular contributor Uisugi Kenshin writes: Is there an exact moment when you thought, okay, I want to write a book about AEW? Uh, they've ordered a signed copy, so I can't wait for it. People are unaware. You're writing a book, or you've written a book, I should say, all about AEW. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Um, it is entitled Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. It is available for pre-order right now as I speak at whatculture.bigcartel.com. The second that the company was announced, formed, whatever... I thought this would make a great story in itself before we even know if it's a success or not. And it is a success. It began life as an alternative, and within two years, in challenging the Raw demos, thrashing NXT within an inch of its goddamn life, (laughs) competing with various markets in terms of live event ticket sales, beating their ass in New York City. It's gone from, it's evolved from alternative to competition. Fascinating story. I'd like to think that I'm one of the most insightful analysts out there when it comes to AEW. 120,000 words have been dedicated to the factors that led to the formation of AEW, the formation of the company itself, and the critical and commercial success of its two-year lifespan. I was first given the actual nod to do it by my bosses, who I'd like to shout out again. They're getting a mensch in the acknowledgements as well. Um, It was a dream project, and with dream projects, sometimes you just think, oh, if I get turned down pitching this, then that'll break my heart a little bit. So I didn't really think to pitch it, because I didn't want to not do it Mm. at some point. And 
luckily they said, we we're really happy with the NXT book. Would you like to write a book about AEW? And what a question that is to get asked. Mm. The answer was, of course, yes. Um, it's something I wanted to do and something I was given. Um, I started work on it in February 2021. Obviously, I've been doing podcasts and website stuff in the meantime. It's taken up a huge part of my year. I'm thrilled to share it with you imminently. And thank you very much for ordering a signed copy, by the way. Yeah, and if you're a fan of the book that inspired this book, uh, or you want to know what that is, that is Development Hell. That is also available, whatculture.bigcartel.com, as well as 606 wrestling matches you need to see before you die, which Sidge was involved in writing. I wrote half of it. The original and the newer matches that we've added. We added 101 extra to that 505 book we released uh, a while back. As I said, whatculture.bigcartel.com. Is it a question from me, actually? Is it difficult writing about promotion whilst it's still developing? And what by that might I mean is, you know, you can write about a film or TV franchise because you can go, right, well, it's probably be a while until the next, I don't know, James Bond or something comes out. But for you, it's all well and good saying, oh, this is, you know, this is what led up to it and stuff. But it changes so rapidly. Is that Was that difficult to deal with? Yes, it was. Um, I'm still proud of the NXT book, but in a way... I think over time it will develop a quality of a moment in time, mm. covering a moment in time. Um, but it's kind of a celebration of what NXT was, and it's completely turned into different to something completely different and significantly worse. So I was very conscious with this book about how it would age and um, how it's very much covering, covering sorry, the factors that led to the formation and the first two years specifically i've been very careful about not saying that's it yeah yeah wrestling saved like it would be naive to suggest otherwise and i was very much conscious of trying to predict what would age badly or what would read badly even within two years like this isn't a spoiler. It's obviously going to get covered. I put over the Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho feud to the goddamn hilt in this book. I thought it was classic. And neither man has the absolute uniformly best reputation. Chris Jericho mm. was getting a better reaction in arenas, but online, he very much divides opinion. Um, Cody Rhodes is basically a baby a heel masquerading as a baby face, yes. and the extent to which that's all a character is the source of fierce debate. So I was conscious writing that, right? How important was this rivalry? How silly will it read to a reader now, putting it over as much as you have, given the respective reputations both when mm. it developed in year three of AEW, if you like. And I arrived at the decision. It was absolutely brilliant. You can put it over on its own terms because it will endure as something brilliant. Um, but no, these were considerations, and it's a really good question. We will hopefully do a sort of more long-form podcast with yourself uh, maybe in the next few weeks all about the book because I'm sure people have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions, but we'll dive into uh, the other wrestling questions and hopefully revisit that on another pod. Uh, let's start with this one from Brandon Gibb who says, uh, we know the elite, especially Omega, think in years. So if you look at this current elite story with Hangman as act one of the elite saga, what do you think the next acts of this story could be? Uh, Brandon says, my prediction is act two, the elite turns on Omega and act three is the implosion of the books. What is next for the Elite for you? For me, and it might be completely different for them, but what I would like to see, what I think makes the most narrative sense um, in the very long term, 
is, and it's with a kind of a heavy heart that I predict this thing that probably might not even happen, because Kenny Omega is my favorite wrestler of all time, and I've adored this run. He's really, truly evolved into a genuinely fantastic episodic TV wrestling star. It's kind of the one thing that people beat him with. Mm. At AEW's inception, he's totally evolved into something incredible. Um, if you stack up his segments week to week and month to month, like he's done all of this with the, the title change in mind. Some of it has been so incredibly fun and entertaining. The match quality has been excellent. He's dropped hooks. He's like folded in loads of different players into this sort of... Um, I've often referred to it as an elegant narrative spider web. That's mm. caught loads of people um, inside of it. So I think it's been great. But as great as he remains in the ring, it's been quite obvious at various points that he's not the same athlete. And, you know, he's nearing 40. He works such a punishing, taxing style that, mm. of course his incredible natural athleticism was always going to get dulled by the grind, particularly when he takes, like, ridiculous head drops in virtually every <laughs> single match. I think, especially when you look at the very landscape of All Elite Wrestling as we head towards 2022 with the signings of CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um, with just an, a ridiculous array of talent on that roster, Cole, Page, Bucks, Miro, Eddie Kingston... Lance Archie can always do stuff with. Uh, the women's division really feels like it's finally clicking into gear, maybe what we've said this before. This is all a very long way of saying that. I think AEW, particularly since he's been on top for so long, um, since December 2020, in fact, I think AEW, as it currently stands, not only could benefit without Kenny Omega, but if anything... Once the buzz of a CM Punk or a Brian Danielson run wears off, if he takes a prolonged break to heal up, his body's kind of thrashed, and his shoulder's been giving him grief mm. since, I believe, very late 2019 or early 2020. I remember you pointing this out, yeah. I think he's had like a torn labrum, like forever, <laughs> that he just rehabs through. There's various matches where he's got the cupping marks, mm. um, had a real spate of injuries, I believe he underwent stem cell treatment for those, but there remains core issues with his body, his engine, that he really could do with a fine tune. I think he should get the, the shoulder surgery that he's put off forever. In the meantime, the rest of his body will recuperate while he's doing um, physical therapy for that. There's more than enough talent for the company to flourish without Omega. In the meantime, when he comes back, maybe he'll need a little fresh star injection. I think you should do that after full gear. At which point, the super click sort of emerge in the wake of the old elite, and that becomes the Young Bucks' um, primary concern, as being made with Adam Cole supporting him on his world title quest for Hangman Page. I don't think they should kick Kenny Omega out of the group, even though it would be a really nice callback to the various um, bullet, group, uh, bullet Club leader mm. Um, betrayals. I think you should just go away for a while. And the unspoken implication is that the young bucks are growing ever closer to Adam Cole and have forgotten about Omega. Maybe they can tease a little thing like um, 
they do his moves and laugh at them or whatever. Something to indicate that they might be happy that he's out of the picture without a full-blown turn, because I don't think they should do one. In the meantime, Adam Cole, as a heel, is mapped towards Hangman Page, and that's the Revolution main event. Okay. Hangman Page, babyface versus Adam Cole heel, with the idea being that in the medium term, I would push Adam Cole as a superstar babyface because he's just, for all the reasons that we all love him, the best guy, great in the ring, super marketable. You can put him on, like, chat shows or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just the best, most charismatic, nicest guy. Everyone chants his name as loud as they possibly can in arenas. Like, he's an absolute natural megastar babyface. Because he's a heel in this short-term, medium-term future, he can lose cleanly to Hankman Page at Revolution because the money with him is in a baby phase turn down the line. And you can deftly dovetail those developments. Adam Cole loses to Page at Revolution. So what you ha have there is he loses, but he's going to be a baby phase, so he can absorb a loss as a mm -hmm. heel. Hangman Page's title run goes from strength to strength with a nice clean win over a massive star and Adam Cole. I'm sure the storytelling would be great because he's that's what they do, great storytelling. Hangman Page, uh, Kenny Omega returns shortly after Revolution and after all those teasers of all oh, the books with Adam Cole and the elite turn on Adam Cole and you lead to a big program between Adam Cole and Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's still a heel because I genuinely think that Adam Cole at this moment in time, would we'll probably get a better live reaction as a babyface mm -hmm. than Omega. And there's still time in like two years to have Kenny Omega turn babyface again and then build towards Omega versus Cole as your sort of double or nothing all out 2021 program. That's how I would see the next eight months go. I really like that. Personally, I'd like to see elements of what you said there. First, first and foremost, I've said this for, for quite some time now, so I'm just going to stick to it. I think the Revolution main event needs to be Hangman Page versus MJF. I think MJF beats Darby Allen. if I'm booking this, at full gear. And then where else can he go but the title picture? And we've talked about this a million times. The first pay-per-view title defense of... I've Hangman changed Page's. my mind. But the thing is, I have seen, you know, the, the discussion, especially this week, for example, on social media, of the fact of, you know, is it about the journey with Hangman Page yeah. winning the world title? Or, you know... Can he sustain that as world champion? I've got no doubt that MJ should probably be the guy to dethrone him, but I just think that with the way that AEW does their title runs, I think at the very least, because I have kind of evolved my opinion. I never said he should lose it the next week. I don't think either of us said no. something daft like that. Um, but I think one genuine, dramatic, he might actually lose this pay-per-view defense against He'll have him call knowing the money's in him as a baby face, and then he can drop it to MJF. Do I think after all this time, two years of investment, he deserves one. Jesus Christ, he might actually lose the title. Oh, Christ, he didn't. Like, the relief of a proper big time, he wins a pay-per-view main event. My, yeah, my only suggestion was going to be, uh, and it may be pretty quick, a fast turnaround and a difficult sell immediately to be like, oh, make us out of the picture and this guy's in. Could just do it when it was coming if they're going to do something like that. But... I completely agree. I think that's the right direction over the, overall for the elite. And yeah, can't have Adam Cole, that handsome bastard, be a heel for too long because, yeah, like you say, it's one of those People things have where. People him to be a heel for at least 2019. 
like at least since 2019, people have been desperate. And between 2019 and 2021, he's played a baby face for all of a month or something. Yeah, you were clamoring for him to do it in NXT. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it didn't happen. Speaking of NXT, actually, let's move on to this question from Jimmy Pierce, uh, who says, if Kyle O'Reilly does indeed escape from the woods and Von Wagner uh, and NXT anytime soon and gets to AEW, uh, well, First of all, I'd love to know your thoughts on whether or not you think that's going to happen. And would you like to see Red Dragon in the tag division? And if so, what are your dream matches for them? It's going to happen and it should happen. I mean, he's, I'm not being funny. Kyle O'Reilly is a smart guy. He's a really nice guy. He can't not be watching AEW and watching Bobby Fish and Adam Cole in their respective roles get like a lot of investment put in them and think, and I'm happy, you know, in NXT bleeding in the next generation. Like, Kyle O'Reilly is barely even the current generation. He's still in his very early 30s. Um, I think he's just so nice that he'll go without shooting. He'll just go, do the yeah. same thing Adam Cole did, basically. I'm not saying they're a hive mind, but they are very close, and it just makes all the sense in the world. Uh, yeah, Kyle O'Reilly's going. He just is. AW should sign him. They just should. Is... Kyle O'Reilly, see, if you asked me this question, like, three months ago, even when he's kind of struggling during the Adam Cole feud in NXT, I'm still thinking, well, you can't go back and do Red Dragon, mm. because that's below Kyle O'Reilly, but at the minute, it's not really. Like, Kyle O'Reilly has floundered in NXT this year. He has struggled to project himself with the same star power as Adam Cole. The cool Kyle stuff and his very earnest... I'll be your friend, Von Wagner. Like, the scripting in WWE Oof. kills Kyle O'Reilly more than it kills most and thing at the ground that covers. He couldn't necessarily arrive. He's got enormous superstar singles potential. I've got no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, but maybe a Red Dragon reunion and then something from there. Because if you think about it, AEW's tag team division... It exists, but it could really do with a proper name team mm. at this point. Um, FTR do FTR things to kind of divisive um, reactions in terms of how over or even how good they are. And Young Bucks, I suspect, will not be involved in that title picture for quite some time. Proud and Powerful seem the next in line after FTR to do something with the Lucha Brothers, but beyond that, there's n I just think they could definitely, definitely shot in the arm for that tag division. I think you're right there. Yeah, uh, and you got some yeah, like you say, dream matches with any of the names you've mentioned there. And well, who knows what happens next? You have got these random tag teams popping up with Cody and Pack. I'd love to see Kyle O'Reilly work um, the Lucha Brothers. Mm. I'd absolutely love to see that. Just him striking, just plucking them out of the middle of the air mid-flight. Those ridiculous catch submissions. I think that'll be absolutely awesome. A great question just coming here from uh, Mark Callow, who says, has this been the best... Mark Callow, eh? Mark Callow, uh, he says, has this been the best year of Brian Danielson's career? <sighs> I thought it'd be interesting to ask you that in particular, considering your adoration for the man, understandably. I mean... WrestleMania main event? WrestleMania main event. Best thing that WWE's done all year by a considerable distance. And then the very next match he had was against Roman Reigns, and the very next match he had after that was the Kenny Omega Grand Slam. If he maintains this form, 
Maybe, but like it's... Are we going April to April then, you think? Yeah, but like it's a calendar, yeah, maybe, but like he really was just working. He was getting beat off Cesaro in four minutes on SmackDown before they realised, oh, I just boring. <laughs> we need to save this somehow. Break emergency glass, get uh, Danielson, get the dragon. So he didn't do that much. He did some awesome stuff at the very top end of the Fed this year, but in between those matches, he was just doing now on TV. He had four months off. This run in AEW was an absolute all-timer, but enjoy the recency bias. It's amazing to feel things in the moment, but if I was to take a step back, I would say that um, his 2007 ROH stuff for me. It's like 2007, 2006, 2008, like any of those years, like the Kenta Morishima, that was all awesome. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. From uh, one of your favorite wrestlers and one of the most thrilling guys to step into in between the ropes to a very Polar opposite question from the H stands for on Twitter. Uh, it says, who is on Michael Sidgwick's Mount Boardmore? Which I assume means the most boring wrestlers that you can think of. And it's four because it's Rushmore pun. Yes. Uh, Randy Orton, Triple H, Kane and the Big Show. <laughs> Any reasoning behind that? Or do you, I, I've watched really Randy mean? Orton have the same match for about 22 years and I've had people tell me that he's one of the all-time greats as a result. And as I put it in an article once, like, I eat soup for consistency. I like good consistency in soup. Not too thin, not too thick. Mm -hmm. It's not stew, it's not water. It's soup. If I want consistency out of something that is dependable on a winter night, right, I'll eat soup. I will not watch professional wrestling. I watch professional wrestling to get fired up, to feel things, to get exhilarated, to feel like... I'm just living and dying with the suspense. 
I don't watch a guy who's really fluid, great footwork, great timing, great positioning. Like, I'm not a coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not one of the boys who really enjoys how, like, fun... Great for him, Meryl. Like, Randy <laughs> Orton's the epitome of great for him, Meryl. Like, right, he's not great on telly. A great mm. TV star. Um, I've watched him have the same match so often. Just no spark, no dynamic to it whatsoever. Um, Triple H is basically Randy Orton with longer hair and a bigger nose. So he's exactly the same. And I've and he's like, he's just... Exact same match structure. Playing out to kind of abject silence. Like, they will look back on the 2000s in 2010s, with Triple H on top for about 15 years, in about 30 years' time, they'll think, how did anyone put up with this? Like, I know millions stopped watching, but why didn't the millions and millions stop watching to get the net zero? Because it was so tedious. The guy just... I understand that he's great. He can flail when he's in a hold. He's great at selling. He's great at bumping. His timing is totally spot on. He knows how to pace a match. But at the end of the day, the reactions say everything. Mm. Um, Kane can do a big boot, a um, palm strike to the throat, like a rubbish side slam where his stupid big giant knees get in the way of himself. And it's like so. It's such a lack of elegance to Kane's work. And he's like, at least they've had great matches, Orton and... Triple H. Kane was in it, in wrestling, since like 1997. 20 years before he really started to just stop doing it that much. And he's never had a great match without Plunder or a, uh, or like a couple of tag team partners. Mm. Name a good non-gimmicked Kane singles match. I, I, I genuinely can't. I was sitting there thinking... And how many have you watched? Uh, I was it's, thinking, it's a disgrace. I didn't need to watch Kane wrestle from 2002. That was it. I was like, ah, I've, done, I've seen the Kane match now. Like... Came in, what's this guy? Fire, boom. I'd love to be there for, a, you know, his entrance back in I the day. I hate him in the attitude here. I just thought he was sluggish, ponderous worker with a cartoonish gimmick. And I just, he moves funny. I've told you this. <laughs> yes. I've got a thing about wrestlers moving funny, informed by my lifelong adoration of Bret Hart, who in fact didn't move funny. The crispest execution. Mm. Kane moves funny. Funny. I like wrestlers who move funny. I like wrestlers who are boring, who move funny, and who are in it for 20 years. That's the definition of boring to me, and Big Show's exactly the same. Yeah, I'm, you're not going to hear many arguments from anyone on this. I was just thinking when you're talking about Triple H, that was the moment for me at WrestleMania 35. My first ever WrestleMania, you know how energetic I am, and we'd been to like the Bullet Club block party beforehand. I was bouncing off the walls. This is a big day. Need to keep the energy levels up. Iconics win their women's tag titles, of course. Kofi Mania happens. And I know people said, right, after that, that was it. It should have just shut it down. We should have stopped then and done the next day of WrestleMania. And I agree, but I was still going. I was still like, you know what? Yeah, one minute long Samoa Joe match. Prefer if you'd kill Dominic at ringside, but you know, I can't have everything. We're going to have it on Monday when he does the electric chair. Yeah, exactly. I want to kill you. Uh, right. Even, even Roman Reigns' return facing Drew McIntyre, I was still, still. Up at that point. And then Triple H made his entrance. Or the longest match. Batista made his entrance. And that was the moment. A, I knew that, yeah, Triple H was one of the most boring wrestlers because he went 25 minutes with Batista. And uh, that was my Arrogant. I, I want to go home now. I'm ready to go home. And we had a long Not old just the hotel to the bloody plane. Yeah, that was it. That, thank you very much. Ben, I've done the thing. Uh, but yeah, it was just infuriating that. So I think that's a, that's a hell of a shout for your... 
Mount Boardmore, which I love. Um, we'll do a couple uh, of uh, of WWE questions Why? because I just to balance things out. Interesting one from here from a Furo tweets. Who should win next year's Royal Rumble? They say I feel it should be Kevin Owens if he's still in the it's company. Uh, but who do you guys thinks, think will win it? Uh, odds of it being Bron Breaker are very high. Well, he's on to something, or they're on to something, rather. Um, I play a game for every Royal Rumble, particularly for the past two or three, four years. Who's the least knackered, <laughs> right? Who have they tried and failed to push? Who's the one guy or girl who is not, A, broken from following a ridiculously botched push, B, not already a champion, C, isn't just like really just a part of the furniture who they're not really going to push because they've already been and gone or they're just in the upper mid-card or whatever. Who is, there's like a formula, the... Least, well, who's, just, who's the least knackered? Yes, it's a good shout. In the least knackered, as far as I can see, is Damien Priest. Yes, they haven't given up on his push. He hasn't already been in the main event picture. He hasn't really had his turn. They haven't botched his turn. The fans are still with him. He fits the profile. These are all very cynical questions you have to ask. It's not who who's the best wrestler. Who's getting the loudest reactions? He didn't get that many loud reactions. It's basically, who fits the aesthetic mold? Who have they not completely botched and or normalized? And I think the answer is Damien Priest. It's a hell of a shout, that. I really like that suggestion. I'd say, even though it doesn't really adhere to your rules there, someone who may win it on the women's side, I was going to say this year, next year, is Rhea Ripley, because... They always, botched her twice. I know, but that's what I mean is that's somewhere where they go, oh, yeah, forget about all that. Now she won the Rumble. Yeah. Like when, when Shinsuke came in and they went, oh, yeah, yeah, but now he's won the Rumble. Yeah. That, I feel like they could do something for Rhea Ripley. Wild card pick for me. I don't know who the hell he'd face or how it would work. Or you, I suppose you could do Roman. It's not going to be Rock, for example. Montez Ford. I mean, they like him, apparently. Mm. But I still... <laughs> I still have a feeling that maybe we're going to get someone who loses to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and he goes for like a two-year stint. Roman Brock's having a mania. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's going to be Brock. Yeah, what am I thinking? So Brock, and then maybe they don't, maybe they'll realize, well, we've got literally no one else. So Ford or Priest to win the Rumble. I don't really care. No. I think Brock wins the Rumble. I think babyface Brock. Wrecking dudes from number 30 possibly could be the case. I just please have all, I don't care. Yeah. I was gonna say make them all heels who's left in there, but they'll heels kill everyone. <laughs> or bear cat, yeah, carry them out. I've counted them out since okay. late 2020. Uh, quick no, one. not because of his talent, just because they're oh no, no, we no, no, absolutely not. Um, just a few speed round questions for you here. Why the hell not? Which creative decline hit you harder, says Joshua James? The Simpsons or Monday Night Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, raw. Because the thing with The Simpsons is... Comedy. Animated, stand-up, sitcom, web. 
whatever. I can always laugh, laugh with our friends, laugh with ridiculous, stupid videos you watch on YouTube. I had a void that could easily be filled by The Simpsons being in decline as much as I adored it um, with just so much of the stuff. Like Arrested Development, I discovered Seinfeld um, after The Simpsons, Golden Age had finished, like just countless things. Whereas with wrestling, had New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, that was it until AEW. Yes. Like I'd watch, you know, PWG on DVD, but it's really not the same, like... It's just not the same watching a month's old show without any episodic shows. Great as the matches are, it just doesn't really fill any void. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I almost fell out of love with wrestling just before I started the job at What Culture, actually. <laughs> uh, Oz says, if Hangman is winning the title from Omega, should he be the one who kicks out of the one-winged angel too? If not, who? Well, I was mad on the idea of Hangman Page being the one to kick out the one-winged angel. It would just be a lovely symbolic end to his complete lack of belief in himself and his anxiety that he can do the thing that nobody else other than Kota Ibushi's done. And now I'm starting to think, how pivotal is that to the story? It's all about the title, realistically. It all stems from All Out 2019 when Hangman Page failed to win that world title. And the reason he believes he did is because the Young Bucks didn't second him. Their moves were understandable as well. The storyline's fantastic. And his recapturing the title, whether he kicks out the one-winged angel or not, is the story. It's not about the one-winged angel. I think that was just a nice bit of fantasy booking. At the minute, I'm genuinely leaning towards, save it. Save it. I agree. Save it for somebody else down the line. Because you've got something awesome in that. Like, at this point, it is 11 years isn't it 20, what's 2021 20, minus 2012? Nine years. Nine years. I can't do maths. <laughs> can't write books. Whatculture.bigcartel.com. <laughs> Nine years of just beautiful investment and just, it's a myth of a move at this point. Um, you could give it to somebody else. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think. What a pop though, if it's, if it's Hangman. If the, if he's going to write himself out of storylines for six months. Maybe. I'd just love to see it. I just want to hear it. It's the hearing it, isn't it? I want yeah. to hear it. I want to feel it. Especially compared to Full Gear last year because of the yeah. you know, complete lack of bloody noise. A um, few more questions, then we'll get to one final big one. Jonathan Hammond says, how likely is it that Malachi Black's allusions to Caesar uh, indicate a betrayal by Arn Anderson? Was this foreshadowed by Tully and Arn's face-off on Dynamite this week? Um, it's one of those where because it's an Anderson and a Rhodes together... A lot of people have fantasy booked on turning on Cody since the second on became his coach. Um, so it's one of those things where I can't answer this question. One, because I feel like I've probably answered, yeah, he's going to turn him a million times. My <laughs> yeah. credibility in that regard is probably shot. And two, I've got no idea what Cody's doing. <laughs> so I can't predict anything that he's doing. I've got no idea at all. Uh, Lena Alto, what's your favorite wrestling storyline from past or present? Legitimately, my favorite wrestling storyline of all time. And this probably is informed by recency bias. And in five years, I might revise my opinion. But it's nice to live in the moment and feel things as you do. Hammond Page's arc, I think, is perfect. Absolute perfection. It all begins. I'm not going to recount it. I do it in the book, which you can buy mm -hmm. at whatculture.bigcartel.com. But the fact that it all starts with Hangman Page 
asking his friends for a favor, and his friends have a legitimate reason to like not grant it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it's all perfect. It's all very relatable. The world's totally broken. Hangman Page feels like it isn't as much. Um, if I'm not something that I've loved for my entire adult lifespan that has stood the test of time. Ironically, the Attitude Era on the whole hasn't. I could watch an Austin McMahon documentary and just have the the hits and every beat presented to me in a fun one-hour documentary. I could probably watch that once every two months and just still pop. And I it's stupid. It didn't really have a beginning, middle, and end. It just was so goddamn entertaining. And honestly, the first three or four or five months of Austin versus McMahon until the summer when the Undertaker and Kane ruin it. There's some really subtle, great acting before they go full ham, and it's yeah. still really great. Yeah. But some genuinely great, subtle stuff at the very, very start in the, the early months. So, yeah, that stood the test of time, but I'm thinking Hangman Page. Oh. Uh, final couple of questions. Joe LFC, which of the four pillars will win the AW World Heavyweight title first, and who will be the last to win it? MJF will win it first. He's an established, he's an established main event guy. Um, Jungle Boy will win it last. I've got reservations about whether Alan or Guevara will win it at all. Wow. I think Alan wins, maybe even wins it from MJF. Potentially. Potentially. Uh, final question I here. I think Guevara's a fantastic upper mid-card talent. I, I think he need, I'd, I'd like to see him put on more mass. He's got a very mid-card figure. He's getting which, there. I know He's slowly that, developing, isn't he? That seems counterintuitive because Alan's so small, but Alan's like a really distinct kind of body type, whereas Guevara... Because he would look weird if he was jacked. Yes. And it would ruin his ring style and his mystique and his whole character of, like, the ridges of his spine gliding against aprons. Like, he needs to stay that size forever. Brian Cage doing a coffin drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Guevara, I think... I can see his form. I think he's a bit skinny for the role of a tippy-top guy. Well, not I Jim Cornette or, like, Jim Ross, but I feel like it at this very moment. <laughs> I think he can... He, he, I think his body will grow into it, uh, or he'll develop into something like that. And even if he doesn't, I still think there's, you know, look at no one looked at that defeat of Miro and went, it's not believable. So I, I think there's potential yeah. there. Um, Maybe because he's stuck in this crap storyline at the minute. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, speaking of which, the final question here comes from uh, Grey Rat O three on Twitter, who says, "Have you found the build to full gear as underwhelming as I have? It feels like nothing's really got going. None of the stories feel paper very pay per view worthy, except the world title match. I'll just quickly run you through the card if you're unaware. Of course, we have Kenny Omega Hangman Page for the AW World Championship, the AW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final. Brian Danielson versus Miro. You got Britt Baker defending the Women's World Title against Tay Conti. Got the Inner Circle versus." Uh, Men of the Year and American Top Team. Lucha Bros defending the tag titles against FTR. Darby Allen versus MJF. And a couple more, one would assume. We'll talk more about this tomorrow on the Rampage preview. Probably Punk versus Kingston and Cody and Pac versus Andrade and Malachi, possibly. But yeah, it's weird because it's it's the match we've been waiting two years to see in terms of the world title. But what do you think of everything else around it? I'm inclined to agree, and this take is going to feel contradictory and all over the place. I've enjoyed 
virtually every dynamite between All Out and Full Gear immensely. Mm. And yet the actual storylines gearing towards the pay-per-views, uh, the pay-per-view, I'm, ah, I'm the same. Do you, think, do you think they're hampered by the fact that they're, and you know, it's been great, like you say, over the summer uh, and since, well, maybe arguably since something like Winter is Coming to see them do these t- t- big, t- bigger, I should say, TV shows. But do you think that's maybe the hampered the bill between pay-per-views? I think they've got the excuse. They've got Punk in, Danielson in, Cole in. Like, let's go. Golden New Year of Pro Wrestling. I think that one started in May 2019, if I'm honest. But, yeah, go through the card very quickly before we wrap up. Um, Paige Omega, two years in the making, could not be more hyped for that match. I almost don't want it to come because I know it'll be 30 minutes before it ends. It's just the most emotionally invested I've been in a pro wrestling storyline as an adult. And they're doing the bits now of, like, we have to sell the pay-per-view. Like, to other people, we know the hardcores have been in this for two years. Into that. Uh, Danielson versus Miro will be fantastic, but it's under a cloud for obvious reasons. But it is um, a match we can't call. It's a match we can't call. It's one of two matches on this card where I'm thinking, I've got literally no idea who's winning this, and I think that's a great, great thing. Um, Baker versus Ty Conti. Uh, it's much the same as Statlander. Didn't really do much for me in the build. It feels very predictable. Get to Thunder Rosa. Get to Thunder Rosa, at, like, exactly. Um, and it should over-deliver on the night. Mm. The Inner Circle versus American Top Team is hot in the ring, hot in the stands, problematic invisible wall bollocks in the patter. It's the most I've felt removed from AEW. It's almost felt like something that I've been on top of. I've felt sort of really emotionally invested in everything. I feel like I'm really pulls apart from this promotion when I'm watching this. It feels like I'm not an AEW fan because if that's what the fan base is, I don't really want to be a part of it. Uh, just yeah, just a note on that. I feel like we, we represent a quite a decent cross section, the three of us, me, you and Hamlet. Often we'll come in here, you'll be the high guy on something. I feed off either of you. If you say it's good, I'll go, yeah, it's probably good. Yeah. Or it's bad, I say it's probably bad, yeah. Uh, and and maybe Hamlet can be more negative with certain things. It's very rare. You know, we can be unanimous in our praise of a lot of things in AEW. It's very rare that we come in, we're unanimous in our dislike of something, and that also, like you say, almost goes against public opinion. It's surreal, this. But, I mean, listen to the Dynamite Review if you haven't already. We spent about 10 minutes on this today just explaining, look, I understand certain fans absolutely adore this, but we've been, we've had issues with, like, we're excited about the match, we're excited about... We've said it's it's one of the most anticipated things going into this pay-per-view, and it is, and it's thrilling, but the nuts and bolts we're not happy with across the board, I think. Yeah, I don't think anticipation's quite the word. I just feel like, in the moment, I think the match will be like a lot of fun. Um, I'm worried that Chris Jericho's going to kiss Paige Van Sant on the outside without a consent oh, to pay off this oh, whole no, thing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so I'm really worried about that. Elsewhere, Darby Allen versus MJF. Like, four-star, eight out of ten build. It's a really great mid-card attraction. Up a mid-card attraction. It begins to fall down for me when you look at... And this is such a testament to how great they are. The Young Bucks not holding the World Tag Team Championships. 
has resulted in two things. One, their feuds throughout the entire of 2021 have been awesome. The stuff with MGF and Chris Jericho and how we knew that was going to have ramifications on the inner circle saga at the time. Mm. Like, is there going to be a wolf pack split? Is he planning a stable and secret? What's is there any relation to the horseman stuff? How that all overlapped. Loads of drama. Great. Funny. I was just with that. Papa Buck with the ketchup. It was, it was really earnestly and ironically great. Really underrated, I think, Chris Jericho and MJF versus the Young Bucks. And then they had... Depose. Yeah. Then they hit and like, run, scram. <laughs> then they had the feud with Mox and Kingston, which was awesome. It was so good that it was almost ruined by the fact that Mox and Kingston didn't win. If That would have been the feud of the end, match of the year for me, if Mox and Kingston had won that. But then we had that exact same feeling with the Lucha Brothers. And just them being such dicks and getting such heat back in front of fans and it all led to the cage match where they got the comeuppance. Take the titles off them and they do some, yeah, good stuff with um, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. But it all feels like they were doing that during the Cage Omega build before All Out. They are doing it after the fact. They've already done a trios match and in eight-man, it just feels like the two matches they're building around the books um, feel way more dynamite-worthy than pay-per-view-worthy. And the books not being the title holders mean we get FTR and Lucha Brothers in a fairly wacky sports entertainment stuff. Like, basically, the Young Bucks are stars, and them not being presented as bigger stars as they were at the start and the middle points of 2021 has kind of had an adverse effect on the uh, complexion of the full gear and build and lineup. The Young Bucks rule is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And then you've got like a couple of other matches that I think. Like Punk Kingston. I was going to say bubbling up at the wait perfect until, time. Wait until Saturday morning and I'll change my answer completely. Exactly. This is what I was about to see. Punk Kingston and the surrealness of, like I say, a pack Cody Alliance versus Malachi Black and Android. I don't know if that's going on the pay-per-view or not. It, but the tag match is probably going to go on the pay-per-view. Yeah. And I've got no idea how much I like it, how much it makes sense, what's going on. I just know that tag match has got a real chance to steal that undercard, genuinely. Weird to not have Cole on this card. He's going to wear Christian Cage, I think. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, I knew there, I knew there was another match well, that I was going to They've mentioning. interacted in eight-mans and trios matches. It doesn't really feel like a proper mid-card AW singles match. Also, realised I pitched Adam Cole to fight a winner is coming, completely neglecting they've got an eliminator tournament final that you sense will probably lead to that mirror and yes. Brian Danielson going, don't forget about this. So, yeah, they've got an embarrassment of riches about next potential title contenders. But, yeah, I am inclined to agree with... When uh, I watch the finish of All Out, I expect it to feel more for full gear than I do right that's now. That's fair. I think that's fair. But let us know your thoughts uh, on that and everything we've discussed today on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, hopefully we'll continue the conversation. Uh, you can also follow Michael Sidgwick uh, at msidgwick, whatculture.bigcartel.com for his new book. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE where you also see more tweets, uh, hopefully with more of these because I really enjoy doing these with I you. I love these ones, I. 
Um, but yes, and so a lot of people ask me questions, not being a dick on Twitter. I feel like I just don't have the time to get around to them. So this is a nice way of doing that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt Reigns is going to be good that he's missed this. Oh man, sorry, Matt. Next time I'll answer your question. Uh, what culture wrestling? Wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts, uh, we'll be back tomorrow to preview Rampage, to preview SmackDown, and of course WrestleCulture with a hashtag bloody good quiz. But for now, this has been your questions answered. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.